We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, this is Stephen Haglin, the host of the Guilty as Charged podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and supporting the show. As always, we do appreciate any ratings, reviews, likes, subscribes, comments on any podcast platform, including YouTube. And I want to start today off by giving a shout out to one of our sponsors, The Backroom Collection. You can find him on Twitter at The Backroom C-O-L-2. Again, that's The Backroom C-O-L-2. Uh, he has been putting out some fire chargers prints, and I think any football fan should check him out and be able to upgrade their man cave, their workout you know, situation, their home office, their actual office. Check him out online, thebackroomcollection.net. If you use the code GAC, that's G-A-C, on your first purchase, you get 10% off. He is even going to be able to attend a Justin Herbert signing. He's got a bunch of Justin Herbert prints that he will have signed by the man himself. Again, use the code GAC for 10% off at thebackroomcollection.net. Thank you so much for supporting him and our show. That being said, let's get to it. Hello, everyone. Welcome inside the Get the Charge podcast. My name is Steven. I am your host here to uh, preview the upcoming Chargers and Raiders game. I cannot believe that it's the last week of the regular and regular season for the NFL. Uh, so really excited about that. Really excited to talk about this game with my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, I remember talking a few weeks ago about how this Raiders game would mean nothing and it would be, you know, a virtual tank <laughs> bowl. And uh, here we are. It's it's Chargers Raiders for all the marbles on the table. Uh, very excited. You guys are obviously going to be going to Vegas. I'll probably be manning the GAC account from here uh, and, and watching it live. Uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see this game and, and how it plays out whole season right here yeah i uh i saw a tweet earlier that said the average ticket price to this game is now like 450 bucks or something like that uh tyler and i were fortunate enough to get tickets when the game was looking meaningless uh Oof. so we did not spend that kind of money so uh obviously we will be there like alex was saying uh excited to meet up with some of the chargers fans it sounds like there's going to be a good amount of chargers fans there uh so if we could get to 
you know, 30%, 35% of the stadium, I think it's going to be fantastic. going to be a crazy environment. Obviously, the Raiders are going to be honoring John Madden. So hmm. uh, the stakes could not be any higher for this one. Uh, and excited to go there with my guy, Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing very well for everyone listening. Stephen's been telling me about all the drinking and gambling he's going to do. <laughs> but I wasn't sure what Chippendales was. What did you mean by that? <laughs> very funny. Very funny. Let me turn my light on really quick. Um, no, I... Uh, I have gambled in my life before. I have never had a sick of, sip of alcohol in my life, but I have gambled a couple of times. Uh, I got to gamble with Larry Allen, Cowboys Hall of Famer, on uh, on a cruise one time. So uh, that was fun. Hmm. But I think I've gambled like maybe four times tops in my life. So, yeah, that's where we're at. Did you win? Uh, when I was on the cruise with Larry Allen, I, I put 50 bucks down on uh, – I forget the game roulette. There we go. And I ended up getting like a hundred bucks. So I was happy with that. And I, and I walked away. So nice. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. We'll do a red 18, maybe like a blue <laughs> 17 just for rivers. There we go. There's there we no go. blue, but <laughs> is there a, is there a Delta? Cause that was obviously rivers. Uh, Ooh. Thing, so. uh, there's a variant. We can go get that while we're there. <laughs> no, no Delta. No, uh, you know, it's going to be awesome though. So, uh, for the first time in a very long time, we do not have to talk about COVID updates. Knock on wood. Hopefully that continues. Uh, the Chargers do not have any player on the COVID list because Kenneth Murray and Jared Cook uh, have been activated off of the list. So I know that there were a few people, including myself, a little nervous about this one uh, because the Broncos had a bunch of players on the COVID list and still do uh, place a few more on the list this week. So uh, in terms of the COVID front, we're all good for now, uh, and obviously hope that continues. Never seen so many fans upset about people coming off the COVID list when Kenneth Murray and Jared <laughs> Cook both came off the list on the same day, I think. Yeah, um, no ill wishes to Jared Cook or Kenneth Murray. It's just, if they were there for like another game, it wouldn't be so <laughs> terrible. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I think getting Kenneth Murray is back back is good in the grand scheme of things i mean more depth there um jared cook taking snaps away from trey mckitty and steven anderson not so great but he's another body and hey last raiders game he converted the fourth and two so maybe we get some of that luck again and uh and jared cook converts and comes up in a big spot um but yeah i think it's fortunate that there's no news on the covid front for now but um like we said last time i mean like against the texans michael davis tested positive day of um yeah. so there's still 72 ish hours until we are out of the woods on that one yeah absolutely anything can change at any given time but you know uh the chargers haven't had anybody new on the list for i think like six or seven days so um seems like they are as brandon said i was like to say trending positive so um, hopefully that continues. Like I said, um, Alex mentioned the depth in the injury. So just really quickly, uh, in a surprise turn of events, Corey Lindsay is, was a full participant in practice today. Uh, I did not think that was going to be the case. I figured that they would kind of take it easy for, with him. Uh, so seems like Corey Lindsay is trending towards playing again with a back injury and an offensive lineman. You never really know, uh, if those kind of flare up or not. Um, obviously Corey Lynn is able to play. That is huge news for the chargers. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, the last back injury we heard about was Brian Bulaga and that's kept him out for 42 years. And now Corey <laughs> Lindsay has a back injury and you said it hurt him really bad during the game. I missed that, but you saw it on the broadcast 
And for him to already be back at practice in some capacity is amazing. So if he's half ready, you know, I'm worried about them risking it. I do think the Chargers will beat the Raiders regardless of whether Lindsay plays or not, but it does help. And in a winner go home scenario, you have to play him. But I uh, hope he's okay after this game as well because they're going to need him a lot in the playoffs. Yeah, um, like Tyler mentioned earlier today, if Corey Lindsley's back and he's at least, let's say, 90% healthy, you're going to need him if you win this Raiders game and going into facing Chris Jones potentially in Kansas City. Um, so, I mean, that's going to be a, a huge test if the Chargers get there. Um, but, yeah, I would not feel quite as confident picking this game if Squat Quesenberry, uh, all due respect <laughs> to him, was starting in this one. Uh, I think that they kind of need the three main cogs of the offensive line in Filer and Slater and Lindsley to kind of make it work uh, and make up for Norton and also make up for Schofield in a way. So I, I think that this is, you know, incredibly necessary for the Chargers. So I'm, I'm excited to see him get it. I think that they can kind of test that Raiders interior defensive line quite a bit because I don't think there's like a ton of talent there. I mean, what you really got to be concerned about, of course, is Max Crosby and the guys on the edge. Um, but I think that the guards and Brian Balaga should kind of have a field day and hopefully open up some holes for Austin Eckler and company. Yeah, in terms of Scott Questenberry, I, I think he probably is like the best backup on the team, like in terms of going from starter to, you know, backup who's not like a, a role player. Um, so I, I feel okay there. But, you know, this Raiders interior defensive line did give the Chargers some problems in the first matchup. And that was when all three were healthy. You know, Odeyabushi was still playing in that game. Uh, and as weird as it is to look at, you know, Matt Filer allowed five pressures and a sack in that game. Uh, I, I believe a couple of those were just simple miscommunications between him and Rashawn Slater. Um, you know, but you look at just the, the hits that the interior defensive line got on Justin Herbert last time. And it's definitely something that stands out from the first result. So, whether it's Corey Lindsley or Scott Questenberry, they're going to have to be really on their game. Obviously, we know that the, the Raiders are probably not going to blitz a ton, but they do do a lot of interior stunts and games and things like that, uh, like we are used to seeing with Gus Bradley's defense. So into your defense, into your offensive line is going to have to be crisp. They're going to have to show up and play sharp, um, and I do expect that to happen. Uh, Drew Tranquil limited uh, in practice the last couple days. Um, you know, we'll have to see how that one plays out. I kind of expect him to miss another game just based off of how we've seen this staff uh, handle this going forward. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what happens opposite of Kaiser White. Uh, we talked quite a bit about the decision to have played Kenneth Murray opposite of him last week. If he had been cleared of the COVID list, he was not. And so Imanog Bogomiga and Nick Neiman kind of split the duties there. Uh, so if Tranquil's not playing, it does kind of sound like it's going to be a Kenneth Murray inside linebacker game instead of a, an edge game, which is uh, makes me a little nervous. But, you know, we'll have to see really kind of what happens there. Is Tranquil straight up uh, DNP or limited? He's limited. He was limited yesterday, limited today. I have a feeling in that case that he's going to give it a go. I mean, <laughs> like... You know, we could say, like, miss another week, but there's not another week to miss. Like, <laughs> this is kind of the whole season on the line. Um, in, in a similar fashion to Corey Lindsley, like, I, I do think they all try to give it a go if they can. Um, but we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I would hope Drew Tranquil's back and they could kind of at least have Kenneth Murray at linebacker or edge, you know, whatever they choose for depth purposes. But 
uh, don't really want him starting, uh, certainly at the linebacker position, which <laughs> which causes a lot of problems. Uh, so, yeah, and, and Tranquil, I mean, last Raiders game had a big uh, output, one of his biggest of the season in terms of just his impact overall in the game. So uh, I think that they should have him back for this one. I'm not super confident in it, but uh, I, I think that they really do need him in this game. Man, if they don't have Tranquil, he would I mean, like Alex said, he was such a big part of how they defended the Raiders last time, even yeah. just as a blitz of whether he was the guy coming free or freeing up somebody else to be one on one themselves. So that missing him would be not that great. <sighs> would Kenneth Murray be able to fill that role as a blitzer? I think so. It's possible. But then, you know, the linebacker and particularly Tranquil, they're also responsible for covering Darren Waller. And, you know, Tranquil yeah. and White did a pretty good job of doing that last time. Can Kenneth Murray do that this time, even though Darren Wall is not 100%? At that point, I don't know if I'd rather have Nick Neiman out there, potentially. They won't do that if Murray is healthy, but at least Neiman has been playing linebacker, and I know he can blitz. They did it in the preseason. Different thing, sure. And he can cover probably better than Murray can, so I'd rather have him out there, but he's not going to be out there. So hopefully Kenneth Murray can either replicate what Tranquil is doing or was doing, or just hopefully Tranquil can play. Yeah, I'm a little concerned specifically just about the communication when it comes to coverage because, you know, there were a couple of big plays from Noah Fant. Uh, you know, obviously the play from Melvin Gordon before the half where Eamon, Ogbongomiga, and Kaiser White were just not on the same page. And so, um, you know, if that happens this week against Darren Waller, you know, Noah Fant had a really good game. It was really the only thing that the Broncos did well on Sunday uh, was get some, you know, broken plays from, uh, Noah fan. So I am concerned there because Kenneth Murray hasn't practiced and he hasn't played it inside linebacker in over a month. So um, this is going to be an interesting thing to watch in this game, you know, just because the communication uh, at linebacker has not been great due to all the kind of the injuries and all the shuffling that's been going on uh, recently with COVID and the injuries and stuff like that. So um, mm-hmm. The other, the only other injury from the Chargers standpoint that looks like this player is not going to play is Joe Gaziano. Uh, he has not practiced either of the last two games. Of course, he doesn't play a ton, um, but that obviously would be a, a big, big issue in this one, and would probably allow uh, Braden Fahoku to play some more. Although I was really annoyed <laughs> at him only playing seven snaps last week in a blowout against the Broncos. Don't really understand oh. what's going on there. Uh, he's a defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid, and now he's only a nose tackle. So uh, who knows? But it looks like Joe Gaziano is not playing in this one. Yeah, that's not great because they don't really have another pass rusher defensive tackle behind yeah. the two guys. Now, they didn't have Justin Jones last time they played, like Thomas Martinez pointed out. So that'll help them in this game. But not having Gaziano, not great because Fajoko and Merrill behind them, not exactly pass rushers. But I will say kudos to this coaching staff and everyone involved for getting this team as healthy as possible in terms of football-related injuries at this point in the season. Like, it's not Herbert and a bunch of scrubs out there trying to fight for a spot and maybe they'll hang on and Bose is out and James is out. A lot of guys are here. Almost everybody is here and ready for this game and a playoff push. So, you know, kudos to them. There are some frustrating moments in the season. You know, a lot of fans are frustrated at Derwin James not getting into the game against Houston, them holding him out but they held him out and now he's ready for this game and heading into the postseason if they make it. So kudos to the staff for really making the injury report really clean at this point in the season. 
Yeah, no, I think you have to give them credit there in terms of strength and conditioning and how it's, you know, changed from previous seasons and the director of sports performance stuff that they've, they've you know, Brandon Staley has kind of made that his focus. Um, yeah, I definitely think just having Justin Jones is huge in this game. Uh, we've yeah. seen that, you know, for weeks with the run defense, <laughs> with him in and him out. Uh, so I just hope he can stay healthy, make it through the game for sure. Uh, Oakland's rushing attack hasn't exactly been like super dynamic. It seems like you know Josh Jacobs really ever since that Chargers game uh, has been pretty banged up for most of the season. Um, and so I, I don't know exactly what his average was, but last game, I think he had like 16 carries for 60 yards, which isn't like terrible, but not great either. Um, so he's kind of putting a middling production and they don't really have the interior offensive line to support him. So I definitely think that's kind of a weakness. The chargers can, uh, get in if their interior defensive line and their edge plays is, is sound and they have Derwin James defending the run because outside of running the ball and, you know, throws to Hunter Renfro, they don't really have a lot to stretch the field vertically um, now that Henry Ruggs is gone, which is obviously a difference from that initial game. Um, we'll see if uh, Darren Waller is planning on playing, but what percent is he, you know, and all that. So I definitely think attacking the Raiders' interior offensive line in their rush game, getting in there on uh, Derek Carr early and often, I think that's just going to be a key because this is a different Raiders offense, a much different Raiders offense, both schematically and personnel wise than we saw in the first game. Yeah, absolutely. So much has changed for, for them since that point. Um, to Alex's point, Josh Jacobs has been limited in both practices this week, uh, listed within rib injury. Um, so obviously seems like he's trending towards playing. And then Darren Waller also limited uh, both practices so far this week, uh, the expectation from everything that I can see uh, is that Waller makes his return. He has not played uh, since week 12. Uh, and obviously the Raiders offense really has not been the same uh, since. So uh, two big storylines there. So before we dive into this one, into this specific matchup, I wanted to uh, answer a couple of questions because we got this uh, from Juan Gonzalez and a couple people asking about and chatting about Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. I got a bunch of people asking me about it yesterday. Um, so Juan's question question specifically, is there a chance that Pipkins gets the nod over Storm Norton? Uh, Brandon Staley basically said that Storm Norton is going to start. Uh, he is considered the starter as long as Brian Bulaga is out and as long as Storm Norton is healthy. Uh, but Alex, what do you make of the way Trey Pipkins has played and the way Storm Norton has played and should Trey Pipkins be starting over Storm Norton if both are healthy? Uh, no, uh, I think Storm Norton should start, and I think that's a pretty decisive answer. Like, Dre Pipkins has played well given the circumstances. The only scenario where I would say something like Trey Pipkins should get the start is if you still had Storm Norton experiencing symptoms of COVID or, you know, he experienced some kind of weight loss thing. Um, you know, that, that I think would be a concern, but in all of the situations, Storm Norton is kind of the best backup tackle on this team. Uh, and he's proven it for something like, you know, when, considering when Brian Belaga went out against Washington uh, 16, 17 weeks at this point, yeah. um, had his rough stretches early on, obviously infamously in that Cowboys game, which started the rise <laughs> of Micah Parsons uh, doing defensive rookie of the year. But, uh, you know, ever since then, I think he's improved more and more every week. Uh, and so uh, I think he'll kind of get a chance to uh, go against Max Crosby, probably, 
But it, this is a game where it's like, well, I mean, Pipkins has done okay against some of the edges in the league, but are you really going to trust him, his momentum against Max Crosby? Like, I, I would like a guy who's been playing there for 15, 16 weeks, also played Crosby before in the previous game. Uh, so for me, I, I think you got to go Norton here. Uh, I know there's a, you know, the caution about overhyping or getting too excited about a player about a couple of weeks. We already saw that with Storm Norton after week one, but Storm Norton, at least in terms of pass protection, it's not like he's great. It's not like we're, you know, we saw Brian Bulaga and then he went down and now it's like Bulaga's coming back and, oh, should we start Pipkins? Cause he played a couple of games. No, like Storm Norton has not been a good pass protecting right tackle for most of the year. Some of it's been worse. Some of it's been better good moments and Parsons moments, but I don't know if like all things considered between Pipkins and Norton, I don't know if there's a huge difference. Now, the one thing that definitely gives me pause is the fact that Pipkins likely is more practicing at left tackle than right tackle. So if he's not quite as situated to set up a right tackle, mm, but he looked pretty comfortable. I mean, Steven posted a couple of clips of Pipkins run blocking, pass blocking, and it's like, Hey, there's actually something there and maybe something that isn't, wasn't there before. I, personally i've not watched trey pipkins film over the many years like steven has so i can tell you <laughs> if he's been better or not but i think he's fine and listen storm Morton before he went down you know the right tackle position for the Chargers was giving up 35 percent of their pressures he was one of the worst or at least gave it the most pressures or one of the most pressures of any right tackle or air tackle in the league i think he was top five for most pressures allowed so it's not like oh let's let norton start because he's earned it and deserved it and i'm, I'm glad he's here He's, he's improved, especially in the run game. I think he's good there. But all things considered, and considering you might be looking for a backup right tackle next season, I don't think Pickens should start at all. I don't care if he crushes it the rest of the way. <laughs> I don't think he should start. But I think, considering you have him under contract, and you don't have that with Norton, I think, I think it's worth starting him at right tackle if he's prepared to do it and it, if he's had enough work there at right tackle. He looked okay last week, but then again, they were playing I don't know who their backups were. Cooper, I mean, Cooper was out too. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, again, it's the Broncos without a bunch of talent. But I'd give him a shot. I personally would give him a shot. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, obviously it's a positive sign that he is playing well. Of course, it's all relative. You know, as uh, Philip pointed out, you know, when Trey Pipkin started against the Chiefs, they did a lot of chipping, lots of double teams, lots of max protect situations. So Pipkins had a lot of help, help against the Chiefs. He didn't have a ton of help against the Broncos. Um, so it was really good to see the way that he played because we've seen him previously struggle, even against backups, you know, as recently as this preseason. So it's a, it's a good thing the way that Pipkins is playing. And like I said, I am intrigued to really see how far he's come and just throw him out there against Max Crosby, one of the best edge rushers in the league. And let's see, like, this is the ultimate test. But at this point in the season... I trust the experience that Storm Norton has accumulated throughout the year. I trust the relationship that he has uh, created with Michael Schofield and, and the rest of the tight ends. And I think you want to aim for continuity at this point in the season. Um, like Tyler said, I don't think either one of these two players are starting caliber tackles. Um, I think it's great that the two of them have developed into quality and serviceable backups. Um, but you know, this development from these two should definitely not deter the, uh, chargers from upgrading the right tackle position. And I mean, we saw that we've seen the difference that it can make when you really invest premium capital with Corey Lindsley and with 
Rashawn Slater, uh, two guys who have made the Pro Bowl and arguably have a really legitimate chance at an All-Pro nominations as well. So um, it's great that Storm and Trey have developed the way that they have. I think that speaks wonders about uh, Frank Smith and the offensive line coach, uh, coaching staff, Sean Surratt as well. Um, but like I said, I think we have to be a little bit cautious with Trey Pipkins because of who he was playing against the Broncos and how much help he was having uh, against the Chiefs. I mean, I also think no matter what situation you construct, whether it's Storm starting or Trey starting, I mean, you're going to probably have to give them help. Like, maybe a little bit less so with Storm because, I mean, he's kind of been there, done that. But, um, not, not, uh, you know, starting Storm is not like a thing where it's like, oh, this guy's great. It's just like, well, (laughs) I, I mean, Trey Pipkins has had two games, really, we're talking this season where he started. Um, and you know, they've had to give him a significant amount of help in both of those games. I don't think that's a particularly wise decision to throw him in at right tackle when you're playing Max Crosby, who's been one of the best defensive ends in the league this year. Yeah. And as far as Storm Norton giving up 35% of the team's pressures, I mean, yes, I don't think he's been good, but at the same time, he plays on a line with Lindsley and Slater and also Matt Filer. So it's like, He's kind of gonna give giving up a lot of pressures because don't those guys don't give up any pressures and they know defenses at this point know to go after Storm Norton, uh, they would know to go after Trey Pipkins if he were to get the starter right tackle. So at this point, I think this is something the Chargers just have to live with. And if you're picking the least bad option between those two, or at least the more safe choice, I do still think it is Norton. Yeah, just run the absolutely. ball thirty five times. <laughs> absolutely so I, I know a couple of people asked about brian balaga as well uh haven't expected him to be back all season you know he had core surgery uh he's been at the facility which is uh great for him i feel like if he wants to retire at this point that seems kind of likely uh but i do not expect him to be on the charters next year uh he is not missing games on purpose just want to get that out there because people still are trashing him uh, NFL contracts are highly incentivized by being on the field. So he has literally millions and millions and millions of reasons to not be missing games on purpose. So I promise you that if Brian Belaga were healthy, he would be on the field. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to this specific game because I am just, you know, chomping at the bit here to talk about this specific matchup um, and kind of the general storylines as we always do. The biggest things that we're focusing in on and Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, biggest storyline of the week for you biggest storyline of the week for me it's not huge but i am very curious to see how this goes considering both teams are turning different ways and that's the fourth down decisions on either side of the football or either either team because generally staley's been very aggressive we know that we've seen that and generally the raiders head coach rich basakia basakia whatever has been really conservative (laughs) but the last two games we've seen a more conservative staley which I personally agree with his process in those games, so that's fine. But then you see on the other side, the Raiders, who are very conservative without John Gruden, with a special team. You know, The special team's coach is going to kick the field goal every time, and he has. It's been frustrating for the Raiders. But recently, it's worked. And against the Colts, they had two attempts to go for it on fourth down, and they, and they went for it on fourth down, and it led to 10 points under Gruden. You know, they were doing that with him, not so much. But in that game, and that game that they needed, they went for it. So now the playoffs are on the line. You know, I, I know the model changes, you know, from game to game. And, you know, this game, just looking at it and comparing it to the last two games, I would think Staley would go for it more on fourth down. 
Um, they did. Alex already talked about it. They did it last time. They went to Cook twice against the Raiders the last time that they played. So, you know, I think the Chargers do have that coaching edge where they will be more aggressive. But with everything on the line, you know, does Staley stick to his guns? Is he backing off? This is really the first game since that Chiefs game where no fourth downs worked or only one did that we're really, really able to see, you know, what is Staley's, you know, plan? Is he actually changing? Is he going to kick more field goals against a team that can probably score a little bit more and should score more on paper than the Texans and Broncos would? Or is he going to continue to be conservative? And then the other side of the, of the field, are the Raiders going to be more aggressive? And are they going to try to take it on fourth down? So that's my storyline this week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because this is a do or die situation. So uh, I feel like typically a lot of coaches will be more aggressive than they normally are in a situation like this. Um, you know, we talked about the fourth, the lack of fourth down aggression last week. I still hate that the fact that the Chargers got to the one yard line twice and came away with two field goals uh, and didn't try for either one. But um, that's just me. Um, Alex, your thoughts there. And then the biggest storyline that you're focusing in on this week. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I do think Brandon Staley will be aggressive in this game, despite the last couple weeks, um, just because, I mean, Derek Carr is a much bigger threat, I think, offensively than Drew Locke and Brett Ripien were last week. <laughs> and also, I mean, there is the aspect of it. It is basically a playoff game, right? Like everything is on the line here. So I do think Brandon Staley probably will be hunting out touchdowns, um, maybe not early on in the game. But to me, if it's fourth and goal from the one, I, I see this as a game where he does that this time, as opposed to last week, where the Chargers kind of knew they would be okay with probably just scoring 10 points, um, you know, in that effort against the Broncos. My key matchup is going to be, or not key matchup, but my storyline to watch is Gus Bradley uh, and how he's going to coach this game. I think this is kind of one of the key factors um, in how it's going to turn out, because sure. Gus Bradley did change up things last time uh, i mean he blitzed a lot more than he has in this entire rest of the season uh <laughs> in that monday night game uh and bradley tends to not really change up his game plan for everyone right like everyone kind of knows the statistics at this point that the raiders yeah. run the most zone in the nfl they blitz the least uh and you know they sort of live and die by that dynamic but you also have a quarterback in justin herbert who has the third highest qbr against zone uh, I, you know, so that seems like a problem for the Raiders, especially when Justin Herbert has all of his receivers healthy, you know, seemingly going into this game. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, I believe the blitz has also, you know, not particularly phased him, uh, in most of these games either. It certainly didn't phase him in the last game we've seen him against the Raiders, right? Uh, Herbert struggled kind of more with those Belichickian, you know, kind of mix of zone and man where people come in late and the play is disguised well. Bradley doesn't do a lot of disguising, um, you know, so I'll, I'll be curious to see if he does change things up for this game uh, and if their defense looks a little bit more maybe like we saw in that Monday night game, but a different variant on it, because I do think the Raiders are suffering from a bit of a talent problem on defense. Like, I mean, you have Casey Hayward, who I think has played well, and you have Max Crosby, but outside of that, it's like they're going to have to play Roderick Teamer significant snaps like they're yeah. gonna have to be playing guys out there that really aren't like great defensive roster quality so to me uh i i think this is a game where i'm curious to kind of see the chess match not so much between joe lombardi and gus bradley but between gus bradley and justin herbert 
um, and, and to see how he wants to change it up for Justin Herbert, try to give him some of those looks that Belichick and Zimmer were so successful at doing uh, in those respective games, because I think if the Raiders don't uh, challenge Justin Herbert or try to get in his head a little bit with their defensive coverages, this sort of can turn into a blowout rather quickly because, I mean, the Raiders' offense has been in a slump. Chargers' offense has been going in a completely different direction, and the Chargers are now stocked up on defense versus the Raiders. I mean, their defense has improved, but they've also been taking advantage of some of the bottom teams on their schedule, right? Like, I mean, they have a game against Washington where they allowed uh, 15 points, which, I mean, that wasn't terrible, but... Other than that, they played the Browns, Broncos, and Colts in recent weeks. The Colts was an impressive defensive performance, but they also just allowed 48 points to the Chiefs uh, yeah. and <laughs> nearly lost to the COVID Browns, who were on their third quarterback. So, you know, I think there's been a lot that's been stated about this Raiders team, about their offense and defense, but I think both of their units are sort of heading in the wrong direction going into this game, their defense improving a little bit. Um, but how Gus Bradley attacks this Chargers offense to me really determines the game. If he's going to give Justin Herbert problems, this could turn into sort of a shootout type environment. If he's not going to give Justin Herbert problems, then I think the Chargers could end up kind of rolling in this one uh, based on the talent level of the Raiders defense and just where they are at this point in the year with their offense. Yeah, it is really going to be interesting to see what kind of adjustments the Chargers make there because in the first matchup, there's a lot of tight ends. It was a lot of Austin Eckler out of the backfield trying to exploit the linebackers. Um, and so it's going to be curious to see kind of where, uh, you know, Joe Lombardi and company decide to attack and just kind of running through the defense of the Raiders. It's it honestly is just like so funny. We've all made the joke, right? But like Damian Squares is now starting for them, as is Darius Phylon and then Denzel Perryman, Roderick Teamer, Casey Hayward and Brandon Faison. All four Chargers, all starting at this point in the year for the Raiders. So um, I hardly think that any of those players should, uh, you know, scare the Chargers. You know, like I think we were all kind of expecting, you know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams to really go after Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett and Casey Hayward in the first matchup. And you could argue that the chart that the Raiders secondary is even worse now because you're starting Brandon Faison, Desmond Trufant is playing for them. Uh, obviously Nate Hobbs didn't really play in the first one. Uh, he is going to play in this matchup and he's kind of been their, uh, slot corner, but, um, you know, I, I'm, this really is the secondary that can be had rather easily. And so it's just, just gonna be interesting to see what, uh, adjustments the offense makes. My, uh, my big storyline isn't necessarily anything schematic or anything like that. I just want to know, and I'm curious to see which chargers defense shows up. And specifically, the energy and effort that they play. Because you watch the game against the Broncos and you see a defense that's flying to the football. And you can always tell when a defense is playing confident when you have multiple defenders around the ball each time. And that, that's what was happening against the Broncos. You know, you have Nasir Adderley making a tackle. Limbaugh Joseph, Justin Jones, Derwin James, uh, Kaiser White. They're all flowing to the football. They're all, they're all rallying to the football. And then you watch the Houston Texans game or the Giants game, and you don't really see that energy. You don't really see that intensity. And it really has translated into, you know, their effectiveness of stopping the run. And, you know, you look at the games where they've really shown up and shown up well, 
they've stopped running backs from really doing that much damage. You know, you hold Javante Williams to 14 carries, 30 yards rushing. That's 2.1 yards per carry. Melvin Gordon had a little bit more success, but he only had one explosive run of 12 yards, which was a huge issue against Rex Burkhead. Uh, you go down the line, and you can look at Joe Mixon, who had 19 carries, 54 yards for 2.8 yards per carry. He had one explosive run for 11 yards. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Darrell Williams combined for 14 carries and 44 yards rushing, zero explosive runs. So does the passing game, you know, and Justin Herbert kind of make things easier on the rushing attack? Yes. But we've also seen that the defense is very up and down with just their energy level and just how intense they are attacking the ball. And so this is a huge matchup in that regard because, you know, Josh Jacobs is seemingly, you know, more involved now. He's averaging 15 carries per game uh, since the bye week as opposed to 11 before the bye week. So uh, Jacobs is getting more involved. He had 130 yards rushing against the Broncos a couple of weeks ago. Uh, obviously, the environment is going to be crazy. The Raiders are honoring John Madden. So the defense has to show up and they have to show up with that same intensity that they played with on Sunday, as Jorge pointed out, you know, Derwin is, is been that guy that mic'd up from Derwin James this past week was amazing. But if the chargers defense comes out and is kind of sluggish, kind of not really there, then this could be a shootout like Alex was talking about for sure. But I think if the defense shows up and plays with the same energy that they played with on Sunday against the Broncos, and I think the defense is going to be fine. I think we'll see them create a couple turnovers. Uh, but if the energy is flat, then this defense could be in for a bit of a long day. I think we're going to see initially that the Raiders do come out and are very emotional. It's the division rival. It's a revenge yeah. game. It's a playoff game. You know, John Madden, you know, passing their first time honoring him. I think his wife and someone else, they're going to light the torch that day in his honor. So the Chargers do have to withstand whatever the Raiders come out with and all those emotions. I know that a lot of these players here aren't exactly tied to that John Madden era, but still just that that thing. They're probably wearing a sticker on their helmet. They're honoring this guy. It's going to be a big deal. So emotions are, yeah, they'll be running high for sure. I hope the Chargers can bring it. Derwin James clearly brought it last week. There is just a difference. You know, not just in the play and the tackles for losses, but the emotions from Derwin James, from Justin Jones, from Joey Bosa. Eckler said it's hard for their guys to step up, or it was hard for their guys to step up when the leaders weren't there. Well, the leaders are here, so there's no reason for them to not be able to step up. I think they can. Um, and then as you talked about it, you know, in terms of passion and, and playing the run game, you know, Josh Jacobs was hurt last time. He was barely making it onto the field, yeah. moved him in and out. And so he was hurt last time. So we can talk about, oh, you know, the, the run defense did really well last time. And they did. And I think the defensive tackles played really well, but Jacobs was a whole different player. This is back when Michael Davis could body him in the open field because Jacobs was hurt. Now he's a little bit more involved and I'm not really trusting Michael Davis to be able to do that this game. So, you know, again, I, I go back to that Sean Merriman quote, run defense is a mentality. Let's see who brings it because the Raiders are going to bring it really early and the Chargers need to be able to set the tone and take the audience and the, and the spectators out of that stadium as well. Yeah, I think they need to be able to withstand some of those early punches, kind of like Tyler was talking about. At the same time, I mean, like, Josh Jacobs is also probably as hurt as he was in that Chargers game. I mean, you know, we can debate whether he's equally or more, but it seems like he's still dealing with a a ribs issue now. Um, So I think that the Chargers can withstand those punches. I mean, it's been just the big three that we've been able to see on the field, the, the Defense is just completely different when Derwin James, Joey Bosa, and Justin Jones are there. 
Um, when they're not there, I mean, we saw the difference in the Texans game. Uh, we've seen the difference when you pull one of them off the field in the other games. So I think those three guys really set the tone for everybody else on defense. So as long as they're in the game, as long as they stay healthy, um, I trust the defense to kind of get the job done in this one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, that, those three players are huge emotional leader of the defense for sure. Um, right, let's move on to the key matchups and X factors. I'm going to start this one off with the obvious one. Uh, to me, Max Crosby versus Storm Norton is really the determining factor of how the Chargers offense is going to be performing. Because I think, to be honest with you, I think the Chargers have advantages across the board in every other instance. Um, but Max Crosby leads the league in total pressures. He has 90 on the season, according to Pro Football Focus. According to True Media, it's 93. So he has a chance to get up to a hun- over 100 total pressures on the season. Uh, I don't know how many players have ever done that, but I can't imagine it's a long list. Of course, you have the extra game for sure. But, you know, Max Crosby has really become a true number one edge rusher. And this is not something that I thought we'd be talking about this year. I thought that he was going to be a solid number two. I thought that they would have two solid, you know, number two edge rushers, essentially, with him and Yannick Ngakwe. Um, but, you know, this is a development that everybody is going to have to be paying attention to. I think he's well-deserving of that Pro Bowl berth that he earned. Um, and, you know, you look at this list of pressures. He has three games with more than 10 pressures. So he has shown the ability to completely wreck an offense. And, of course, you know, Alex mentioned the the Micah Parsons game earlier in the season. We've seen Storm Norton kind of have rough matchups. But, you know, Norton has played much cleaner over the last month or so. Um, against Houston, he allowed two pressures. One sack against Kansas City, he allowed zero pressures. Um, so he is playing well. He is at least more comfortable. Uh, but in the first matchup, Crosby had a pass rush win rate of 27.5%. So he got five pressures. It probably could have been a lot more if Justin Herbert had it, you know, gotten the ball out earlier or rolled out or whatever the case may be. Uh, But this was a tough matchup for Norton earlier in the season. Uh, I think, like I said, I think he has improved and he needs to handle his own against Crosby. Um, Of course, the play of Rashawn Slater on the opposite side allows the Chargers to send all the help they want towards Crosby and you know, chip and double team and whatever the case may be. Um, so I expect them to do that. I expect the Chargers to have a game plan for Crosby. I expect Norton to play better than he did in the first one. But if this is a Crosby breakout game, again, like I said, he has shown in the past the ability to completely wreck an offense, and that absolutely cannot happen in this one. I don't know. I couldn't believe when I looked at the pressure number to see where everybody's at. Him being at 90 on Pro Football yeah. Focus, it's like, well, okay, he needs 10. He can't get that, right? But then he's had 11 or 13 and another yeah. 11 or whatever it is on the season. I mean, what an outstanding year. I mean, I've kind of admired him since he came into the league only because I watch Raiders football occasionally with my dad and he <laughs> broke his hand, I think, or whatever in the preseason game. And then he wanted to go back in and then he kept up just, just classic old football style, just wrapped that thing up in a big white club, went back in. So I've always kind of admired him. So to see him doing this well, is great, except I hope he sucks on Sunday. I hope he's the worst. <laughs> I hope they don't pay it. No, it's a uh, yeah. That's I mean that's the biggest matchup. It's 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 a game wrecker. If it's if it's good, great. Chargers win no problem. If it's bad, it can be really bad. And we've seen how you know Parsons has affected 
the game before and, and Crosby can do that again with 11 something pressure. So yeah, it's a tough one there. Hopefully they lean into the run game a little bit more, but then the Raiders run defense has been pretty okay recently. So we'll see yeah. what they do. Yeah. Um, I, I'll be curious to see how they kind of tackle Max Crosby. If they want to send some help storm Norton's way, that wouldn't be terrible. Um, or if the Raiders try to like three-dimensional chess this and try to put Crosby on Slater. I mean, I, w- I, would, love, I would love to see Please. that, <laughs> uh, like Stephen was saying earlier today. Uh, but who knows what Gus Bradley will try to change up in this game. But we already talked about him. Uh, so my key matchup is going to be what the Chargers defense decides to do about Darren Waller. Um, I've mm. talked about this earlier this week. So in the first game, you sort of had mostly Michael Davis covering Darren Waller. Uh, you obviously had some Derwin James at Derwin gets the final uh, interception on Carr, I think, yeah. in that uh, first game. So, but it was really Michael Davis shutting him down. And this was a Michael Davis prior to the hamstring injury, prior to COVID, uh, and prior to everything we've seen. And Darren Waller similarly has gone through his own injuries and in COVID at this point. So I'm very curious to see what the Chargers decide to do with Darren Waller if they trust Michael Davis to just go up and get it like he did in the first game uh, and just kind of run a track meet with Darren Waller. If that's the case and you trust him, then you go with it. But I would like to see more Derwin still, Um, you know, he's been one of the more reliable players and he's playing the, you know, one of the best tight ends in the league. So I don't know what the ratio will kind of, you know, amount to being there, but I'll be very curious to see how they decide to deal with Darren Waller in his first game back. Certainly won't be a hundred percent, but I mean, you can tell that the Raiders are going to go pretty much full bore with him for the entire game, uh, and you know, so uh, I'm curious to see what the Chargers do about him because I, I do think it is a problem potentially if Michael Davis has an off game and you put him there, that can you know, much like the Max Crosby thing, if it goes bad, uh, it can go real bad, uh, like Tyler said earlier. So. Uh, I'll be curious to see what they do there. Uh, and to me, it's probably the best Raiders offensive, you know, like piece that can make a difference. Like I know Hunter Renfro has been good, but, you know, I, I think that Darren Waller is really the difference maker and guy who can kind of stretch the Chargers out vertically uh, in a sense. So that's going to kind of be my key matchup and what the Chargers decide to do here. Yeah. So the Raiders uh, have only scored over 20 points uh twice in the last nine games and waller has missed six of those games of course so uh it's been really tough sledding for the raiders without darren waller um that absolutely could have been you know a key storyline for sure in this one because he's he is such a difference maker Uh, i really felt like in the first matchup that uh obviously the chargers shut them out in the first half but in the second half they really came out and made a concerted effort to go get waller involved and so um you know, you have a, a Thomas Martinez asked about Chris Harris. Chris Harris did not play in the first matchup. I think we'll probably see some Chris Harris on Darren Waller. I think it's going to be a lot of everybody, to be honest with you. Darren James will have some reps against him. Uh, but like we saw last week, you know, Derwin James, they love to move him around and play him at strong safety, free safety, slot, edge rusher. He had six snaps as an on the edge this past week against the Broncos, which is so much fun to watch. Um, but you know, they're going to use a bunch of different bodies. Of course, the linebackers will have some reps against him too. Uh, but I would not be opposed to flat out double teaming him, uh, and just kind of letting everything else happen from there. Right. 
I was just going to say, in terms of the kind of exotic looks that you can do on defense, right? Like, we loved seeing when Adderley and Derwin did that blitz together, right? Yeah. Uh, if you can have more plays where maybe Michael Davis can handle Darren Waller by himself, it does allow Derwin to be more of a game wrecker rather than someone who does kind of have to track Waller the whole time. Uh, so that's also another reason I think it's a key matchup because I think if the Chargers can manage Waller a little bit easier or if he's clearly still a little bit hobbled from his injury, I think that does take a dimension out of the Raiders offense. There's so many storylines in the secondary and how they cover whoever. I mean, last time they didn't have Chris Harris Jr. And then last time they had Tavon Campbell, who did a really good job. Some great open field tackles on Hunter Benfro. Did they mix him in at all? Probably not at this point. I don't remember how many snaps he played uh, against the Broncos or how many he's played since Chris Harris Jr.'s come back and all the starters have been healthy. And then, yeah, with, with Michael Davis... I think he'd be okay covering him and then rocking with the same game plan as last time, whether you believe pro football doc or not, or if you follow him, that's a whole other thing. But um, he gave Waller a 66 out of a hundred for like a health grade score, six score, whatever it's called heading into this game. So it's like a two thirds Darren Waller. And so I think someone like Michael Davis can make that work, um, especially because in theory, Michael Davis is healthy, although we're not sure where he's at post COVID. We just heard that Joey Bosa wasn't practicing for 14 days because of COVID. Then yeah. Walt into that Broncos game. So maybe Davis has his feet underneath him a little bit more. But then, yeah, then you have Derwin James, a guy who, you know, last time it looked like he was playing more deep. They had that threat of Henry Ruggs and Henry Ruggs in the second half. Absolutely took it to him in classic Raiders Gruden fashion. They opened things up more deep with Ruggs and they went after it. And James, for as good as he is, and he, he was almost in perfect position every time, but yeah. Ruggs just a little bit faster. This time they don't have that, and in at the, like the fourth quarter, and sort of in their last like half of the fourth quarter, Derwin James was on Darren Waller. Brandon Staley basically made Derwin James his closer. He said, "Hey, just go take that guy out for the rest of the game." And he he picked him off that one play, and then in their four minute drive, I think there were two different drives. In their four minute and two minute drives to close the game. Darren Waller was just running flats to the sideline, and Derwin James was like, "Okay, that's fine." And they basically ignored him with Derwin James on him. So. Do they put Derwin James on him to begin with? Because now, look, there's no more Henry Ruggs. You do have Deshaun Jackson. You do have Tyron Johnson. I pray to God it's not a revenge game for Tyron Johnson because <laughs> he is active. Yeah, but um, you know it's not Henry Ruggs. So you can you you can move him a little bit closer. Now, do they put him on on Waller? Do they just leave him there to help with with Jacobs? I don't know. There's a lot of storylines in the secondary how they change things up because these teams are sort of the same, but then very different from the last time they met. Yeah, I expect uh, Derek Carr in, in this must-win matchup to really go with his guys, the guys that he trusts. And, of course, that's Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, maybe a little bit of Zay Jones in there. I don't think this is going to be a big Deshaun Jackson, Tyron Johnson game just because he doesn't have those reps. So, you know, uh, <laughs> Arjun pointed out in the chat earlier, you have Hunter Renfro most likely going up against uh, Chris Harris. So, uh, Chris Harris, I've given you a lot of shit, man. I've given you a, a lot of shit this season. If you ever had one shiny moment left in your career, please let it be this week. Please, for the love of God, do not get completely cooked in this one. Um, all right, let's talk about some X factors. Alex, who is your X factor of the week? Uh, I'm going to say coming off of last week that it's sort of Andre Roberts. Uh, I think that he proved that he can, you know, obviously have a big kick return, had two last week, but the Raiders have been pretty good at stopping uh, the average opponent kick return yards. They're only giving up 
uh, I believe, 16 uh, per attempt. So it's been, you know, pretty good sledding for them. But the Chargers special teams blocking and DVOA has obviously improved. So they are getting better in that sense. I don't know if they're ready to go against the Raiders and, you know, <laughs> a special teams that's run by a special teams coach from, you know, kind of a team first dynamic, right? The way that they handle things. But um, it, if there is ever a chance for Andre Roberts to have another game and get another statue built for him, I think that this is kind of the one. Um, obviously, getting, you know, having that speed. We've talked about what the energy in that stadium is going to be like. Um, but if he can, you know, kind of break a big one, or even if he gets one to, let's say, the 30 or 40 and get the Chargers in positive field position as opposed to taking a touchback here or there, um, I think that that can kind of provide a real jolt for the Chargers offense. So, I'm going to go with Andre Roberts for this game uh, and whether he can kind of stifle a Raiders special teams defense that has been pretty good throughout the season. Yeah, for a couple of reasons, I like uh, Andre Roberts as an X factor. One, obviously the kickoff return stuff, and we're so spoiled by a guy who's got 74 yards per return in his last three returns. I don't know what it's going to look like when he only gets to the 23. We're like, oh man, we suck again. Um, but another one is, is <laughs> the, the Jalen Guyton run didn't work against the Bengals and didn't work against the uh, Broncos. Granted, you can, you know, chocolate up to blocking or whatever, but Andre Roberts, they've run it with him before and it's been a while since they have. So him as an X factor there, I think it'd be interesting because I think they could do it maybe once, give it a shot. Who knows? Try to get them yeah. off guard. You know, I think last time against the Raiders, they tried a flea flicker. Remember those days? It feels like forever ago. They're trying <laughs> flea flickers uh, once a game. So, you know, get them off guard a little bit, see what they can do. Um, so yeah, I, I could see Roberts doing that. Yeah, really quickly before you give your X-Factor, Tyler, uh, Jalen Guyton absolutely had 10, 15 yards if he had just kept going outside on that run. Uh, there was zero reason for him to cut that back inside because everybody was doing their job. So uh, please do that with Andre Roberts and not Jalen Guyton. Yeah, I, I, it's crazy that Roberts is 33 or whatever it is because he does not look like a 33-year-old no. out there. He's, uh -uh. he's freaking spry. He's fast. I love it. My X-Factor is actually going to be I usually pick the uh, Chargers player, but this time I'm going to pick uh, Marcus Mariota and the zone read offense they've been going with. Because you know, last year when when um, when Mariota had to come in when Carr was hurt, he had nine carries for 88 yards uh, and a touchdown, which was actually pretty good. I mean, he had runs of uh, where is it two, eleven, twenty six, seven, thirteen, seventeen, twelve, and one, which is incredible. I don't know how the Chargers couldn't stop that, but they weren't stopping that. And you know, this year Gus it's Bradley, very, man. Gus freaking Bradley, man. Um, yay. But uh this year, you know, he hasn't run it all that much, only nine times for 64 yards and a touchdown, which are good numbers. He hasn't done it a lot, but I could see them going after the Chargers that way this year, test them again their run defense, test their ability to, you know, defend a trick play, if you will. I think if Marietta were running instead of Drew Locke last week, I think Marietta probably would have scored. Um, but sure. that play was obviously blown up pretty well by Nasir Adderley and Joey Bosa. So I think that's something to watch, you know, how the Chargers defend it. I think in general, they've been pretty good against these trick sort of plays. But Mariota lining up a couple of times a game, that's not really a trick play as much as just go out and defend the zone read. So we'll, we'll see what they do with that one, if the Raiders run it at all. But um, expect it. It could be once, it could be twice. But it'll be there, and hopefully they don't give up a big, you know, fourth down conversion or something because they'll use them. Yeah, Brandon Staley specifically mentioned uh, Marcus Mariota when someone uh, asked him what kind of has changed for the Raiders' offense uh, since the previous matchup. So I, I expect you know the the Chargers to have 
prepared for that. I expect them to, uh, you know, have a plan for Marcus Mariota. Um, my X factor, uh, Juan Gonzalez just on a roll today, stole mine. My X factor is Justin Jackson. Um, obviously he's had more opportunities, uh, over the last few games because Austin Eckler is injured, but I wanted to go through this really quickly. So, uh, over the last four games really is when he's come on this season. He had nine carries for 35 yards, 13 for 86, 11 for 64, and then 12 for 41 this last week. So, um, over the last four weeks of running backs with uh, 50% uh, care, 50% of their team's carries, Justin Jackson is third in the league in yards per carry at five yards per carry. Um, obviously, he had the big output as a receiver uh, at Houston, you know, where he had eight catches for 98 yards. Um, and they've really done a fantastic job of getting him involved. And so I think you know, this is a game if Corey Lindsley is playing where the Chargers could kind of assert their dominance in that regard. I know the Raiders are generally good against the run, but if the Chargers get out to an early lead, then they're going to look to establish Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. And, you know, this could be another big Justin Jackson week. We've seen him have good games against the Raiders in the past. He's been really good over the last month or so. Um, and I think the Chargers need to keep doing that. I think it, it works this offense works better when you have the balance between Jackson and Eckler. Um, and I think Jackson really has earned the right to be averaging, you know, 10, 12 touches a game. And if he does some damage with those, then I think that's going to be huge for the chargers this week. It's nice to see that just this performance and the performance data against the Texans wasn't a fluke or even against the chiefs. It wasn't a fluke. Yeah. He really has something there. He's really settled into this nice role. Also performing well on special teams. If he could be a nice complimentary yeah. on offense and do well on special teams, great you deserve the carries he's efficient he looks good and right now he's healthy knock on wood horseshoe whatever you want to do rabbit's foot hope he stays healthy um because he's earned it so i like that one yeah he had a great tackle on punt last week mm -hmm. uh and jason friend of the show jason valier has pointed out a few times on twitter that he's been excellent as a special teamer uh this season yeah, I mean, this offense works well when Justin Jackson's averaging five yards per carry. It also works well when you keep uh, Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly off the field as much as possible. Uh, so I think that that is a very good X-Factor choice. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to see how they do that. Um, he also had three catches this past week, you know, taking a little bit off of Eckler's plate there, too. So, uh, again, you know, we saw them go after the linebackers in the first matchup. If they want to do that in this matchup, then, of course, the uh, running backs are going to be involved there as well. Uh, Craig, what up, Craig? He says the end of the season MVP equals Justin, Justin Jackson's health. I uh, absolutely agree with that. The end of the season MVP has been the CDC changing their quarantine and all that <laughs> and the NFL adjusting because Chargers totally would have lost that game last week. Yes, absolutely. That is very that is a very good point, Tyler. So uh, it is that time of the week. We are going uh, to hit some bolt predictions ahead of this matchup. Uh, and Tyler, I'll let you start this one off. I can see it happening. It's not even doesn't even feel that bold, but I have Justin Herbert with five touchdowns as a Ooh. bold prediction. I don't I won't say five touchdowns in my score prediction, but I think you can. Five total touchdowns doesn't have to be passing. I just think it's a night we're going to remember because Justin Herbert is here. He's ready to carry his team into the postseason. And I think he can pull it off. He's running a little bit more. He's throwing well. He looked good against the Broncos. Not excellent, but he took very good care of the football, which is what you want to see. I don't expect him to turn it over all that much. As long as guys aren't dropping the football, I could see him scoring five touchdowns this game. So that's uh, passing and rushing combined then? Yeah. 
unless he wants to do kickoff return. <laughs> do the Philly Philly special, but uh, have him as a as as a touchdown this time. Yes. There you go, Alex. Yeah, I'm. Let's let's take the Philly special out of the playbook this week after <laughs> we saw Drew Locke uh, execute it to not, not so not so great heights. Um, but, but I'll say that my bold prediction, I, we, I, we've been talking about Joey Bosa, um, you know, how he's been doing. I feel like last week was sort of getting his feet back under him a little bit. Um, I think he's going to have a big one in this one. And when I talk about a big one, I think he's kind of going to have the bills game from last year. Um, (laughs) um, so I'm going to say three sacks for Joey Bosa, five quarterback hits, one strip sack. I like it. And he'll be going up against Alex Leatherwood either way. Right tackle, Joey Bosa. Right guard, more Joey Bosa. I mean, he's kind of doomed either way. I can't wait to watch that. It's just going to be a slaughter, a holding penalty, you know, sort of day, false starts, all that sort of stuff. It's going to be great watching him go against whoever he's going up against. Yeah, and according to Raiders fans, he's scared of Colton Miller. So, you know, there's that. But uh, I absolutely expect a, a big game from Joey Bosa. It was really interesting to hear his comments today. Um, you know, Tyler pointed it out on Twitter, but uh, <laughs> Craig said, oh, pause. <laughs> I just realized what I said. <laughs> well, I stepped into that one. Yep. There you go. There you go. Uh, but it was interesting to hear his comments today about his off season and and kind of how he struggled and didn't really have a good have a great off season by any means. Um, you know, he's he's had a really good season. You know, leading the league in strip sacks. He's got I think 67, 68 pressures on the year, eight sacks. So um, if he hadn't had COVID, you know, he would have had a career season this year. So um, it was just kind of interesting hearing Joey Bosa talk about that one today. Yeah, I hope he's doing fine. It seems like he is, and I'm I'm proud that he's proud of the way he's finishing this season. For him to be healthy, again, yeah. him, James, Kaiser White, Austin Eckler, all here. Um, but yeah, good for him for whatever he was coming back from. You know, mentally, every time you go to the game, you see him talking about talking to his mom about his mental health. So definitely something there. You know, I'm glad he took it seriously and either got past or is currently managing whatever he was going through. So good for him. Yeah, and he got some award today. I don't really know what the award was, but he was very funny when he was <laughs> accepting that uh, with his acceptance speech. But, uh, you know, love Joey Boss as he's just such a goofy character. But uh, my bold prediction is that the Chargers are going to get a pick six on defense. I think uh, Derwin James was very mm, uh, vehemently like energized by not getting the interceptions that he thought he should have had. Uh, against the Broncos this week. Uh, oh, the, the award was the good guy award. Okay. I, I didn't know that was a thing, but anyways. Um, you know, Derwin was so vocal in the mic'd up about him not getting the interceptions, and he promised Brandon Sleeley that he would get one this <laughs> week. So I'm not necessarily predicting that it's going to be a Derwin James pick six, but I think Derek Carr gives defenses enough chances uh, to – you know, make some plays. And so I think the chargers will take advantage of one and get a pick six this week. I like it, but please tell me who it is. I need this to be the boldest of predictions. Who is it? Uh, I mean, if it's not, if it's not that bold, then it wouldn't be Derwin, but or just maybe, whoever, maybe we see a Kaiser. I'll go with Kaiser white, Kaiser white pick six. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. There we go. 
Um, all right, let's get to uh, our <laughs> our favorite segment of the week, which is, of course, our weekly picks. So, Alex, tell our listeners about uh, ExpressVPN and then update us on the standings. I fucking hate this segment. Um, anyway, <laughs> I love this yeah. segment. <laughs> all right, well, Steven has a one-game lead in the picks. I'm never going to get another Chargers jersey again. This is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Uh, so the pick standings are Steven is at uh, 35 points or 35 wins on the season. I am at 34. Tyler is at 29. So he, he might actually finish within three of us if me and Steven both tank this week. Uh, so that's the standings brought to you by ExpressVPN where you can go and get a three-month free trial uh, and you can watch games overseas if you're Overseas, you can watch games uh, like the Chargers Raiders game that'll be on Sunday night. You can watch the Saturday games, everything that's on this week. Uh, and Netflix episodes are your favorite shows, Hulu, whatever the hell you want to watch. Uh, I'm so depressed. I can't do this segment anymore. Um, <laughs> thank God there's only one more week. Anyway, uh, this is brought to you by expressvpn.com slash guilty, where you can go get a three-month free trial of ExpressVPN. I, I don't know who's first this week. Uh, I, I guess Steven. Uh, it's Steven. Yeah. So, yeah, nail the coffin, nail, the, nail my coffin, buddy. <laughs> You're only down by one. You're only down by one. You could easily tie, and then, you know, we'll see where we go from there. You know, I, uh, I'd be pretty surprised, to be honest with you, Alex, if I went three and out. So you have a, you have a chance for sure um but yeah obviously you know expressvpn uh great <laughs> it's a great thing i use it every single week to watch games uh obviously the season's coming to an end but definitely take advantage of that uh going forward that being said uh my picks of the week uh first and foremost i'm going to take the chiefs over the broncos the broncos are not starting patrick sertan who really is like their only good player this week um the chiefs don't necessarily have a ton to play for. Um, but as far as I know, they are starting most of their key players. So I'm going to take the Chiefs over the Broncos. Um, next, I'm going to take the Colts over the Jaguars. I know there's going to be a lot of weird stuff happening in that game. I definitely would take the Jaguars against the points. 15 and a half feels like a lot. Uh, Jacksonville has kind of become the Colts version of Denver. But I do expect the Colts to... Uh, eke out a win uh relatively to that phrase uh and then upset pick of the week let's see uh i had it or i I scrolled too far all right up pick of the week i'm gonna take the 49ers over the rams as my upset pick of the week al shanahan has weirdly owned sean McVay uh over the past few years and the niners obviously have to uh, win to get in the playoffs. So I think the uh, 49ers will get the job done. Yeah, um, those are all great picks. Uh, at least, uh, you know, I'll give you credit. You took Carson Wentz off the table, so I don't have to ride with Carson Wentz this week. Um, <laughs> I did you is, a favor. Which, there you which go. Is a, which is a painful experience. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll thank you for that one. I'll take the Titans over the Texans. Uh, the Titans obviously playing for the one seed in this game. I think yeah. they're going to come out swinging potentially getting Derrick Henry back this week. Um, So we'll see what happens in that one. Uh, For my other favorite, uh, I will take... mm, No, I mm, can't do that one. Nope. (laughs) All right. Off to a better start. All right, I'm going to do it. 
Cowboys over Eagles. Uh, I, I don't trust the oh. Eagles in this game. They've already clinched. They don't need to do anything. Cowboys, I feel like, are, you know, kind of in need of a rebound after last week. Cowboys are sure. still playing for something, too. Uh, so they're just trying to get that two seed, potentially. Uh, so I'll take the Cowboys in that one. Uh, just don't trust the Eagles right now in that kind of a game. And for my upset pick of the week, I'll go Steelers over Ravens. Uh, Steven went with the Steelers last week. Um, yeah. Potentially Lamar Jackson's not playing in this one. You know, his guy Tyler Huntley will be there. So the Ravens, you know, still have a chance. Uh, but now they've lost five in a row. Doesn't seem like things are going to turn around soon. Uh, so I will take the Steelers in the upset and what is very, you know, very likely Big Ben's final game. Uh, so I will go with the Cowboys, the Steelers, and the Titans. Wow, okay. You had an opportunity to go with Bills over Jets. Bills are 16-point favorites, um, so I'll take that as one of my, um, obviously, favorites to win. Oops, sorry, Alex. Uh, I will take... <laughs> at this point, I already I'm... lost anyway. It doesn't matter. Oh, but you had such a layup, man. No, uh, I lost anyway. I'm, I'm going to hate this. I'll, oh god uh packers over lions uh we'll see how that goes is rogers know. playing rogers no? is playing as far as i know yeah well we'll find out wait uh, if rogers is playing why are they only three and a half point favorites because he might not be playing maybe. oh i guess that mm. maybe he plays like a quarter or something i don't know I well, I, I guess it's a hell of a quarter well i guess they're leaving <laughs> it to the last minute and that's why the line is that way but yeah yeah, whatever. And then I will take some of the upset pits. Are just like, what am I take? Panthers over Bucks. I mean, unless unless the Bucks keep cutting receivers at halftime, uh, I will take. Jeez. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. Give take me the Dolphins over. You know the what? Patriots? You know what? Just for some misery for Alex, I'm going to take the Eagles over the Cowboys. <laughs> Why would it be misery? I mean, I I hope I hope the Eagles win. I guess I already lost to Stephen. It doesn't matter because yeah, I, I really should be losing to Tyler. That that's the thing. Yeah. Tyler Tyler bungled his whole thing and dared Steven to go three and zero. He did it one time, and now me and Tyler are gonna both have to play five hundred dollars to Steven for a jersey. I don't know. That's probably what we're gonna five hundred dollars. That's what was the last time you bought a jersey. Uh, <laughs> are you guys gonna give me an express or uh, express? Express VPN jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't know what we're buying, but jerseys are needlessly expensive in this society. Anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, we're, I, I've already taken the L, so I hope the Eagles win and beat the Cowboys. But don't, uh, don't think that's gonna happen. Uh, for the record, Tyler Thomas pointed out that the plan for Aaron Rodgers is a few series. Okay, that that's well, enough to get up twenty-one nothing, though. Yeah, exactly. So, What's like... their catch on percentage? Like, every <laughs> third drive, so I'll take it. <laughs> Jorge said that's what Alex gets for not returning his shopping carts. That 100% <laughs> makes sense. I'm still not going to return them. Oh, man. Come on. Well, um, you're going to have to return it after you buy Steven a jersey. I'm shipping it to him. There's no carts involved. <laughs> yeah. Alex doesn't have to put the card away, but someone does. Um, all right. We'll wrap this up with our final score predictions of the Chargers and Raiders game again. Uh, stakes could not be any higher for this one. I cannot wait to be there and watch this game uh, win and in kind of matchup. And obviously everything riding on the table for a variety of reasons. That being said, I'll let Alex kick us off this week because I went first last time, I think. 
Uh, so, Alex, final score prediction of the Chargers and Raiders game on Sunday night. Chargers 34, Raiders 23. Uh, I think that the Chargers get a rather emphatic win here. Uh, and just the more I've been looking at these rosters, I think the Chargers are the far and way better team. Um, like, just given what the Chargers are on defense, they have Joey Bosa, they have Derwin James, they have Justin Jones. Uh, I can't believe they talked me into believing them again after the <laughs> Texans game, but here we are. Uh, and I think their offense is flat out better. And this game comes down to Justin Herbert versus Derek Carr. Um, and Justin Herbert is way better than Derek Carr, who has uh, 14 interceptions and 12 fumbles on the year. So uh, I can see a way where the Raiders win this game. Obviously, we've talked about the emotions heading into this one and them getting Darren Waller back. But uh, I just think the Chargers are kind of flat out better with the talent they have on the field. So unless something happens between now and Sunday in regards to COVID, uh, in regards to other stuff, uh, I see the Chargers winning by 10 plus points. Yeah, I think, you know, Tyler said it the other day, if they had beaten the Texans, then I think my confidence level, level heading into this game would be at like 100%, if not more. Um, you know, this is absolutely a game that the Chargers should win. Obviously, anything can happen in this game. But, you know, I mentioned earlier just the Raiders' struggles on offense since the bye week. Obviously, Darren Waller hasn't played. No Henry Ruggs. John Gruden's firing. Like, they, they've had a mess of a season, and they deserve a ton of credit for being in this situation. That being said, since the bye week, they've averaged 16.6 points per game on offense, which would be 29th in the league. Uh, worse than the Jets and the Bears, who are considered like dumpster fires on offense, uh, if that had you know panned out over the whole season. So the Raiders offense, Frisk, they've managed to muck these games up, really just make it uh, physical games and games that are sloppy, and then they kind of win it at the end. Uh, and again, they deserve credit for that. You know, they beat who was in front of them. Uh, but you play Nick Mullins, you play Carson Wentz, you play Drew Locke, like you should win those games, especially when you hold the Broncos to, I think, 18 yards rushing. So, um, again, the Raiders deserve credit. I thought their season was over months ago, um, but it's not. And this is a rivalry game. It's Sunday night. I expect the Raiders to put up as much of a fight as they possibly can. Like Tyler was saying, I expect them to jump out with a ton of energy early. Um, but I think the Chargers pull away late. I'm Pretty confident in this one, not 100% <laughs> like I would be if they had beaten the Texans, but I feel confident in the Chargers' ability on offense to really separate uh, from the Raiders in the second half. And so my score prediction is going to be Chargers 31, Raiders 23. Yeah, I mean, that's about where I'm headed. I am predicting that Raider Cody will be sending tons of <laughs> underwear DMs to tons of people that aren't his wife. Uh Please don't share that with the internet. <laughs> Cody never accepted my request to do an underwear uh, underwear <laughs> bet. I, I don't I don't understand why. Oh my gosh. Anywho, I think the Chargers <laughs> they are better at most areas. Almost ninety percent of the roster at a particular spot is better than the Raiders at their spot. And I just think if you have a Raiders team that isn't scoring right now, that really only scored twenty one when they had rugs when they had Waller, when everything generally was working, they had Gruden, like they could actually game plan for a game. And right now they just, they don't have the coaching advantage. You know, the Chargers are very familiar with the scheme. The defense is running opposite of them. Justin Herbert's very good against cover three this year. They just really are not a lot to, to hang on to, except for the Raiders could be more emotional. They could 
you know, get lucky. Right. You know, there are there are things like that that could lean in their way, but everything on paper, yes, they did lose. The Chargers did lose to the Texans. At this point, I'm willing to think that that's hopefully a fluke. I think the Chargers can't put this team away. So I'll say Chargers win 30 to 23. I think that's a good range for them. Raiders could score a little bit more, but I think the Chargers have scored 30 something points per game the last five games or whatever it is. I think that continues this game. And <laughs> awkward silence chicken right there. Love it. Um, no, I, I think we're all on the same page uh, for how this should go. Um, as Juan pointed out, you get primetime Justin Herbert in this one, which should be very exciting. Um, and this is a great opportunity for the Chargers to really kind of show out on a national audience last game of the season. Again, the stakes could not be any higher for this one. Uh, and of course, Tyler and I are going to be there. So uh, that being said, uh, our time is up for the evening. So Alex, Tyler, final thoughts before we head out for tonight. Yeah, the Chargers are 1-0 whenever I'm the most optimistic one on the panel. And so now I'm the most <laughs> optimistic one again. So let's ride that into a Chargers win and hopefully come on this podcast Monday. I assume we're going to be recording after uh, Sunday Night Football. So I'm going to be excited for that. Uh, Steven Tyler, uh, good luck at the game. I uh, hope you don't get into any fights with any Raider fans at the game. <laughs> don't don't, uh, don't square up too soon, uh, at least before the Chargers uh, win or lose. So I uh, hope the Chargers win. Uh, everything's kind of riding on this game, uh, the season to this point. So uh, they should win, like we've said, everything that we've uh, talked about on paper. But hope we can come back on Monday and uh, talk about the Chargers playoffs. Yeah, man, I mean, we're going to Vegas. I can't believe we're going to Vegas, and it's a game that matters a lot, and it's going to be a huge yeah. game. I mean, it, I've never been to a game like this. I've never been to a play and you're in game like this before. We've seen a couple, sure, uh, unless you think the Chargers haven't won a playoff game since 2009 or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other problem. But yeah. I'm excited to be there. It's going to be awesome. We'll get there. It'll be the Saturday meet-and-greet party. They'll have tailgating. And if the Chargers win that game, I hope all Chargers fans, you know, if you're going, if you're listening and you're going, find each other when the game ends. Let's all crowd behind whoever they're interviewing, probably Justin Herbert. Let's show up. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for this game because, you know, we all feel confident that the Chargers are going to win. I think they will. And the Chargers, you know, getting to go to an away stadium and see them win, make the postseason. Justin Herbert's first attempt at the postseason doesn't get much better than that. So, you know, it's going to be a ton of fun. We will be recording unless they something happens uh monday at 11 i believe in blue wires multi-million dollar studio at the wind in las vegas so that'll be yeah. pretty fun to be able to do i don't know which room we'll get maybe we'll just get the broom closet but we'll be inside <laughs> that million dollar studios broom closet so that'll be awesome yeah man i i can't wait you know we we had this idea to attend this game i think like two months ago we put in the request for uh our studio session which i can't wait for um, of course, it looked like that game was trending towards not mattering because the Raiders were <laughs> awful at the time. Uh, but I, I can't wait for this one. You know, I haven't been to a Chargers road game in a really long time. I think the last one I went to uh, was Chargers at Broncos in like 2011 or 2012 mm -hmm. when I was in high school. Uh, and the Chargers were completely out of the playoff picture at that time. I think the Broncos were too. So that one didn't really matter. It was in it was after Thanksgiving weekend, I think. Uh, it was fun. I had a great time. Broncos fans were were nicer than I thought they would be. Um, but this game is going to be different. You know, a lot of Raiders fans are saying that a lot of people from Oakland are going to be, you know, flying in for this game or driving or whatever. 
Uh, I feel like there's going to be a good amount of Chargers fans there. I've talked to a bunch of diehard Bolt Club people that are saying that they're going to be there too. So, uh, again, if you are attending this game, feel free to come say hi. You know, I hope a lot of you that are listening to this are attending the game. Uh, obviously, ticket prices are kind of expensive now, but uh, if you aren't planning on going, uh, you know, you can, you know, definitely come say hi to us for sure. Um, but yeah, as always, leave a rating or review on the audio version of your choice. Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube or watching right now, please like the video, subscribe. Uh, we just hit 4,000 subscribers on YouTube today. Uh, we're hoping to get 5,000 uh, at least before the draft. That's kind of our big next goal. So we really appreciate uh, all of your guys' support. Hopefully everyone stays safe this week. Uh, and, you know, I can't wait. This is going to be an exciting one. Literally, you know, chopping out the bit to get to Vegas with Tyler. And, again, thank you guys for tuning in. That's going to do it for us tonight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.